0: I had spent six months of my life building, processing, fantasizing, doing the work, getting everything, like everything was basically ready to go, and he said, I don't wanna do it. Now, it doesn't matter, his I don't wanna do it. People do what they do. The hard part is, how do you respond? Yeah. That one, Brenda, devastated.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Tom Ferry podcast experience. As you know, I'm the podcast producer, Brenda Hernandez-Jaimes, and we're celebrating the 50th episode and we're doing something different. We're changing the roles here. Instead of Tom interviewing someone, I'm interviewing him. So welcome, Tom, to your podcast. (laughs) Brenda,
0: thank you for having me on my podcast.
1: (laughs) And it's just, I want to get right to the very beginning yeah. of learning, knowing more about you. Cause we know the Tom coach, the sure. Tom leader that has guided many agents into reaching their own success. Mm-hmm. But I want to know how, you know, little Tom discovered that passion of leading, of, you know, speaking and sharing your voice and what you have to say to our audience.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people, cause I've been pretty vulnerable and, and shared a lot of stories, but, uh you know, maybe something, maybe something that a lot of people don't know. I remember where leadership um, showed up for me the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, where, like, let me restate that. Like, where I felt like I have to lead. Like, I have to help. I have to make a difference. And and the story was, I was sitting on my mom's bed. We're in Huntington Beach, California. My mom hung up the phone. She was talking with my dad and she turned to me and she said, your dad and I are getting a divorce. And I remember looking at my older brother, Matthew, who many of you know, and you know he, he had an emotional experience to it that was probably more normal. My response was, okay, I'm the man of the house. And I, I can remember that as clear as I'm looking at you right mm-hmm. now, literally saying to myself, okay, I've gotta help cook, I've gotta help take care of Michelle and Pat, I gotta take care of my mom, You know, I can't have her suffering. And, and like literally from that day forward, I don't think I've ever shied away from a leadership situation and probably have found myself um, most comfortable in conflict or problems or trying to solve, yeah. if you will. And, and look, it's not a knock on, on you know, my mom or my dad or the divorce, that stuff happens, right? Of course. But it's, it's always interesting how, how something happens early in our life that and how that shows up in many cases for the rest of our life, mm-hmm. and I've you know I've worked with thousands of people on early childhood uh, trauma, and then how do you get over that? Yeah. And for me, like instead of trying to get over it, I was probably early on in my life trying to figure out how to amplify it. The problem is the way it showed up was you know a, a mohawk and. Trying to convince all my friends that we should leave school Mm -hmm. and not come back and throw a party at your house not my house and you know create a ruckus which you know even even as you know like certainly if my boys were listening they would laugh and say oh dad you would never let us do that and you're right um even that was early signs of leadership you know the ability to to uh, get your tribe to go take action that was Mm -hmm. always fascinating to me and and i want to be clear like not from a manipulative standpoint purely from a, can I influence this situation? You know, can I, can I show up to high school number three, uh, dressed in all black in a total beachy town, very clicky uh, Corona Del Mar high school and, and infiltrate that scene without losing my identity. Like that was a fascinating thing for me to show up and look, you know, it's not that no one else wore black, but I wore only black. You know what I mean? It In was like, like black, you know, black, you know, trench coat, black leather jacket, you know, sometimes black hair, which got from my skin color. Like it, it, my mom would just look at me like that is just so ugly. Um, and it was. Um, but but even then it was interesting to try and figure out, like, how could I? How could I become friends with the president, you know, the the kids, yeah. you know, whatever president of the school, Toby, you know, uh, not Toby, uh, Brian. And how could I connect with them and and basically create a relationship when I was such visually an outcast, mm-hmm. so completely the black sheep, the, uh, you know, the strange one at school and and still be able to build rapport and connect like all that stuff just was. I don't know. It was always interesting to me. Right. And so it's funny for me to think as you ask that question, like how that showed up in every other area of my life, both personally and professionally.
1: So you were saying that you basically flourished or grew up, found that maturity in rough times. Yeah. So can you say during your life, you found that positive change while you were living through tough times?
0: Um, so the, I, th- I think the answer, and I certainly I'm not the first to say this, I think of um, my, one of my mentors, Mike Vance, would always say to me, everybody wants to have wisdom. Wisdom comes from pain mm-hmm. and suffering and mistakes and experiences that didn't go your way. And, and only later on in life did yeah. I hear that. But early on, you know, when you're trying to figure out how to get good grades in school or not, or in my case, how to ditch all the time and somehow still graduate, you know, you, you start to figure out like what works and what doesn't like that's, if, if, if I were to ask myself like, like what's going to be on my tomb, my tombstone, it's going to be like 1970 to, you know, 2068 or whenever, I, you know, whenever I'm going to die. And it would literally just say the whole thing was a science project, right? Cause that's all it is. Like, you know, it's a thousand mistakes to finally figure out, um, how to find the right person mm-hmm. and, and, and make a thousand mistakes in my marriage you know, with what not to say and how to set somebody off and how to be a good husband, how to be, a, like, it's all a science project. Yeah. And and look, I am no classically trained scientist, but I am just fascinated by how easy it is for me to screw up, create a problem or see a problem and try and figure out how to solve it. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just interested in that.
1: And since of a young age, you mm-hmm. were interested in networking and they, yeah. did you know that word like networking and of howing knowing how to befriend that president, the school president, like, was it all there in your life? I
0: mean, nobody at at 15 says, hey, I'm going to go do some networking, networking. right? So, um, but I think, you know, it's interesting when I look at the sort of that, the childhood journey, whether it was the Salzar family that lived across the street from us that had uh, moved to our street, like two of the older brothers had... You know the teardrop you know like out of prison, former gang bangers, you know fifth Street gang, Santa Ana, and now living across the street from us, whether it was connecting with them and Mike and learning what Chadiso is and you know like just all that you know like a totally different culture and vibe for me, or down the street, Daryl Huff, who you know his uh, his uncle he, no father in his life, right, mom was a total sweetheart, worked at a grocery store, bought a house with her brother, he was basically a hell's angel would be the only way to describe it, so like Growing up in a situation like that, I think the thing that I learned was, you know, there was, there was my family dynamic or how our tribe operated. Do you know what I mean? There was the tribe that I was experiencing when I was spending time with my dad, who was in a kind of a different environment. There was, you know, the tribe of my own siblings. There was the tribe of, you know, the Huff family down the street, Mm -hmm. the Salazar family. Like you, you start to realize that like, first of all, I have a great appreciation for people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I talk about like, don't be myopic in business. But I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they become myopic in politics and the people they spend their time with. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I've hit a certain plateau. Therefore, I won't spend time with, That's you right. know, yeah. s- stranger, or lesser than people that are doing more than me because it makes me feel uncomfortable where like, I just, I don't even know if I'm answering your question, but I'm just like, I'm just fascinated by people. And I think that, uh, that, served me and I recognized it early mm-hmm. so so even though I was the punk rocker quote unquote you know how funny yeah. back then like we had these labels of oh you know he's a he's a jock you he's know an you know she's a you know whatever right yeah. now it's just like that's just like mainstream yeah. e- everybody is basically hip hop today yeah. like you know what I mean like the entire world's culture is that um, but back then it was very obvious he's a mod she's a this he's a that and those tribes all hung out together and I was just super focused on like, look, I like playing basketball. So I'm going to go hang out with these guys. And, and like, I think one of the only classes I ever got an A in was musical appreciation. And that's only because my mom was such a huge mm-hmm. fan of like, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein and <laughs> like all this, you know, all this on a 1940s, 1950s, 60s musicals. So I knew all that stuff. So I, I'd be inside this class with these hardcore musical appreciation kids. Yeah. They'd see me and they would only think sex pistols, you know, whatever, punk rock, yada, yada. And all of a sudden I could sing songs from Oklahoma or I I basically had memorized uh, the entire album of Fiddler on the Roof. Suddenly you have a little rapport. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, I think that's just, look, most of it was mistakes. I want to be very clear. Most of it was feeling regret. Oh my God, I totally screwed that up. But you know, the more mistakes you make, Like, the more you kind of figure out, A, like what works and B, who you really are, you know what I mean? Like, and that's like, I can't even stress the importance of that because there's, we're in a culture today, um, people are just definitely afraid to screw up. And I I just, you know, you think about like, I'm at a total tangent here, but it is your podcast, my show, (laughs) something like that. Um, I look at things in 10 and 20 year cycles. Mm -hmm. So I say, what is the ramifications? What are the unintended consequences of everybody winning a trophy even though the team lost? Like, how do those kids grow up versus how I grew up where if you didn't take first place, you didn't get a trophy, mm-hmm. right? And losing was losing. You know what I mean? It was yeah. very definitive. And, uh, you know, like what's going to be the unintended consequences of A culture, and I'm not dogging, you know, a a Gen Gen X versus Y versus because it's different, right? In every era, like there's all these, you know, pros and cons, but I'm always like my father-in-law, who passed away at eighty, excuse me, ninety-four, was a World War II vet, right? He, I think, he stopped going to school in the third grade, right? He was the oldest boy of an immigrant family from Italy who moved to Revere Beach in Boston, and you basically, as the oldest boy, you went to work. Like, that's what you did, whether it was like going to work for a dollar a week at some, you know, crazy job that no one would ever let a child do today or going outside and gardening or selling tomatoes or whatever you did. And then I look at how that shaped his life all the way to the time that he passed away. The fact that he was in World War Two, the fact that he ended up going to work for. Um, I'm going to totally screw this up. It's not Boeing, but it was uh, whoever was at the time in Newport Beach, uh, they had a huge manufacturing plant where they basically created missiles and rockets. And I'm sorry, Tony, for not Lockheed, but I'm spacing on it. But yes, anyone in Newport Beach would know what I'm talking about if you're going back to like the 60s and 70s. But here was a guy that, again, no high school, no, no formal education at all, no college, who ends up becoming like a manager of like 60 people right because in the military he learned how to weld right like that's just that's just fascinating to me the unintended consequences of how those choices so i'm very mindful today kind of circling back around to this i'm concerned not for our country not for the planet i'm concerned for how people are going to begin to experience pain and suffering when they've never been forced to have it before or everybody overly sheltered them Mm -hmm. to the point that they didn't get punched in the face. They didn't go make the mistakes. They didn't get to get to experience what it's like to, to sit in your room for a week and say, how did it get to this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We've we just been so overly coddled and I know a lot of people talk about that, but I just, I really, I think about that a lot. Like it, it's almost like we were just talking a minute ago about like parenting. Like I don't, I don't wish for my boys pain and suffering, but I wish for them pain and suffering. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I think it, not that it makes a man, it makes the human.
1: And pain and suffering and making mistakes helps you know who you are, like yes. you said. And yes. how, do you, how will you know who you are if you don't make those mistakes? And especially if in your case, yeah. you made those mistakes, you know who you are, you're able to correctly guide our agents yes. to where they need to be. Yeah. Because you went all th- through all of that.
0: Well, but I think the, the guiding of the agents, yes, certainly gives me a foundation of uh, being open and, and understanding, you know, A-B testing mm-hmm. in, in business world or business sense. But I think the the key with the agents is the agents, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. the CEOs that I get to work with, the companies I consult with, the companies I've invested mm-hmm. in, that um, I'm so blessed to be able to work directly with the CEO or their executive team. Um, that, if, if, you know. I think the getting my butt kicked and learning and just having a just giant capacity to care for a wide variety of people is a superpower. Yeah. The second thing is like, if I look at my life today, people are like, I love to golf. I love fishing. I'm into pickleball. You know what I love? Mm-hmm. Business. Like business is my hobby. Like what works, what doesn't, what's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that stuff for me. So, so for me to work with people in their business, Um, yeah, maybe I didn't do loans like, you know, for the person that's working, you know, in the mortgage space or any, any industry, it doesn't make a difference. My mentor, Jay Abraham only did one thing. He only consulted his entire life, but he's worked with a thousand different industries. When you can take the experiences of all those different industries, what worked and what didn't and transfer Mm -hmm. over in a relevant way. That's to me, that's a superpower.
1: Yeah. So you made this this mistakes during high school, and you've shared with us that yeah. you know you barely graduated high yeah. from high school. Got a GED. Yeah, and I mean, I don't
0: know if that means barely, but yeah, but I barely. You, you know, know yeah.
1: you, you struggled, and for sure. And then you went to work with your dad. You know, yes. making calls. Yes. And you were doing that business side of learning, yeah. making those mistakes for sure, for sure. And we you shared during that process, mm-hmm. but can you share with me that itch that you got when you were like? you know, I can do more out of this. Like, I think I learned enough that I yeah. can start building my own team and mm-hmm. sharing what I, what I know.
0: So there's, there's a couple of, I mean, that's happened to me multiple times in my career mm-hmm. where I felt like I had earned the right to then be able to go do or to be able to go share as an example. Um, I will tell you that uh, when I first went to work for my dad, and you know, listen, everybody. Everybody, you know, knows who my dad is, and like, he has a brand, and I've got a brand, and then there's stories all around that, like, you know, whatever. Thank you for for people that even gossip about it. Like, it's yeah. it's awesome. That's great. But you know, I'm gonna go have dinner with him tonight, so it's all good. So so get this. I, I felt like I had at the I was I was working from midnight to nine at a grocery store, mm-hmm. and I remember looking to the right and looking to the left. It was like three o'clock in the morning, and and seeing like you know friends of mine that also worked there. And, and having the realization that I've already gone as far as I can go in this, in this career Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure there was eight million levels of management and all these other things I could have done, but you know, the purple haired kid with the earrings was probably not going to be put into management and I didn't want to change at that time. So, so I had gone from, you know, grocery store clerk to literally basically stocking the liquor department to stocking like the entire store and being a part mm-hmm. of that crew. I went from making $4 an hour to $12 an hour in a matter of months, which, you know, so I felt like I had evolved, but I also saw that I didn't want to be doing that when I was 25, 30, or 40, which were some of my contemporaries at that time. No knock on them. It just wasn't my path. Yeah. And that's when I started realizing, hey, you know what? Maybe he isn't just like this rich SOB. And I know he's tough, and he's got this big personality, yada, yada, and he's a little demonstrative. But you know what? Like, There's something there that he's doing, and I was interested in that. And, and look, I've got other siblings that weren't interested. I leaned into it. And I, I remember coming to him and saying, okay, my vision is, to be the president of the company in five years, and uh, I could just imagine one of my boys doing this with me now, and like how um, how great that probably felt, and how completely freaking hysterical that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like I'm like 19. I'm gonna run your company in five years. He's like, really? What do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. But I had take like I had taken one business class at OCC. My like only I don't know month and a half of college, junior college. <laughs> And I took business and accounting and philosophy because those things were interesting to me. And, and the business thing, all it basically did was break down like every business has an accounting mm-hmm. department, has a logistical department, has a sales department, has a marketing department, has a, you know, blah, 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 right? So I didn't like know what I was doing. I just said, well, why don't I come in and do these five things and do my best to, I didn't say master, but that was certainly the plan, to learn each one of these departments so I fully understand the business so I could earn the right to be the president of the company. Mm-hmm. Well, it took me nine years nine years to finally achieve that goal. And all that meant was I had earned enough respect and trust with the founder of the company to basically take that seat. And what I probably never shared was, even though he moved from his house at the beach to his house in the desert and quote unquote was retired from day-to-day operations, I didn't make a single decision in that first year and I got no additional compensation for the job on purpose because I said, I've earned the title, now let's see if I can actually deserve the money. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's so backwards, because being a CEO, how many times people walk up to me, and I'm not knocking it, it's just, people walk up and say, hey, I'd like to do this job in Ford, that, I want this. Yeah. I was like, hey, I want that job, but I recognize, as much as I think I'm prepared for it, I know I'm not. It's like every, every president of the United States says, oh my God, I worked my face off to become the president, and then I got the job, whoa. It's dramatically different Mm -hmm. than you were thinking. I have friends that have been in executive positions that finally get the CEO job and how dramatically different that is from their current experience. So I took the first year and just said, hey, look, guide me, help me, you know? And after a year, then I came back to him and said, hey, I think that if I solve this problem, this problem and this problem for you and your income goes from A to B, could you rationalize paying me a small percentage of that, right, for my time and effort? He was like, no. once again, no, now I'm 10 years in. He's like, no brainer, you've earned it. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's when I took the business in, in that case, and I don't want to misquote the numbers, we were about $7 million in revenue at that point, and I took it to $45 million before I left, right? And there were so many mistakes in that, so many lessons. People, oh my God, you Can just- Can you
1: share one mistake and lesson?
0: Hey, it's Tom. Go to Apple Podcast and write a review. It means the world to me. Thanks in advance. Now, let's get back to the show. Oh, gosh. I, there's like thousands. Um, how about one? I, uh, I said, I got this really great idea and I was studying J. Abraham. Let's do this direct mail piece. I think we can sell this service for, forget the dollar amount, call it a couple hundred dollars, right? For a service that I felt was extremely valuable. Key mistake. I felt it was extremely valuable. And I knew in studying J Abraham, if we did a nondescript envelope with a you know special kind of stamp and a you know a great letter that offered the service and blah blah blah, and you could fax it, and I convinced at that time the owner of the company, aka Dad, let's send out to our entire mailing list 125,000 pieces. Everybody listening to this, 125,000 pieces as a test. Now I know today that, that, that goes up there with a level of stunata in business. Like that's an all time high you with me. But that one mistake taught me, s- we got, by the way, no sales from that. 125,000 direct mail mm-hmm. pieces. I remember like sitting at the fax machine, right? Knowing that it's now hitting California, then Arizona, then that, d- 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 right? Yeah. And watching it, nothing, nothing, nothing. Come in the next night, next morning, nothing, nothing. And literally two weeks. Two weeks go by, not a single sale. Figure out today the cost of 125,000 direct mail letters with a nondescript envelope and a hand addressed, hand stamped, all the things that we know work. It got opened. Yeah, I know it got opened, right? But you know what I didn't do? I didn't test. Why didn't I send 100 the first time? Why didn't I send 100 to people on the East Coast, 100 people in the Southeast, 100 people in the Midwest, 100 people in Toronto, 100 people in Vancouver, 100 mm-hmm. people in California, and A, B, A, B, A, B, and figure out what was the, like was the product market fit good, or was the real mistake that it was what I thought versus what does the customer think?
1: And how do you rise from that mistake?
0: Oh. Um, well, after you feel like business suicide is the only option and that you're a total failure and you go home and you cry to your spouse, which is what I did and literally just said, I'm such an idiot. Uh, then I called a mentor in this case, Jay Abraham. And I said, Jay, this is what happened. This is what I did. And he said, Oh, Tom, like, you know, why didn't you test a (laughs) hundred? You know, like, it, it was like sometimes like, you know, the Monday morning quarterback is a really easy position to be in in business. It's very easy to call out somebody's mistake. Um, how do you recover from it? You put in a new discipline. For me, it was like the new discipline was we don't do anything without a test. And whether that was like, I was super early. I built mikeferry.com in 1995. I started doing email marketing in 95, 96, 97 when the open rates were off the charts. Like, you know, myself and my team, we created some of the things that I see still being used today amongst every business coach, not just in the real estate space, mm-hmm. every business coach. You know, we were just early, crazy, A-B testing everything most of it doesn't work the stuff that works it's interesting to see how it still shows up even today
1: and i feel like for many entrepreneurs many people you know Mm -hmm. you don't have to be in business when you know we make a mistake our pride is crushed oh god yeah so yeah i just imagine you you know telling your dad in nine years i'm going to be the president the first year don't pay me yeah, don't raise uh, my salary, yeah. and yeah. then making the give me mistake. all the work yeah. and all the
0: responsibility, and that was only one mistake that I made. There was a lot, a lot. of mistakes.
1: Yeah. How do you? I, and I know you you tested, you leader found like yeah. found a solution, yeah. right? But
0: like, how do you get over it?
1: Yeah, so, people don't get ever. Over okay, so it, I'm going to give
0: you guys a little hack. Uh, so I was very lucky in I want to say. I don't, I don't remember what the year was, but it was like super early mm-hmm. that I met Tony Robbins for the first time. And I did not meet Tony Robbins that you know today. I met Tony Robbins before 30 Days to Personal Power, you know, before the, the infomercials and all the early stuff that really put him on the map. And in watching some of the things that he was doing back then and the way he talked about it, like he was like, hey, when I was selling tickets for Jim Rohn, like, that's what, like, always shocks people, like, because, like, Jim Rohn's a mentor to so many, and most people don't know that Tony actually was a ticket sales guy for Jim Rohn when he was, like, 19, 20, 21. He said, I'd go into an office, I'd make a presentation, nobody would buy, I'd get back in my VW bug, and I would cry, because I was devastated, because my income's in direct correlation to the value I deliver, and I didn't deliver any value. I suck, this is horrible, why am I doing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you go through all of that. There is a, stra- uh, a, a hack, a technique, in neuro-linguistic programming where you can actually close your eyes, put the scene of you screwing up, imagine like it's, it's a visualization exercise, where you put the scene of you screwing up on the big screen, and then basically what you do is you run it forwards and backwards, over and over again, so the exact scene of you screwing up making the mistake, you with me? You go forwards and backwards, then you change the brightness and the darkness of it, forwards and backwards. And when you go backwards, by the way, you actually make yourself sound like you're talking in reverse. Right, like reverse, backwards and forwards, color in and out. Then I would start pouring money on top of myself as if, even though I lost the sale and I totally screwed up and it was an epic disaster and I thought it was gonna be the end of my life, I'd pour money over the top, i put rainbows over the top, my wife would come in and hug me. So basically what I did is I would take Anyone that's done this before, what you're doing is you're basically taking this is a memory that I have where I completely emotionally attached myself to pain, and what I would do is I would erase that by taking now a new association to that memory so it goes away. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a very, a very simple yet complex tactic, and like that's how I get over stuff. Right. Like even today, like I screw up all the time, right? I'll say the wrong thing. I'll, I'll, you know, in my relationship with my friends in business from the stage in a podcast and I'll catch myself as we all do. And I'll say, Oh God, I wish I didn't say that. Oh my God. How many people are going to listen to that? You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. you do that. Well, the problem is when you, or at least for me, when I do that over and over again, it kills my confidence. It kills my mojo. And, because i'm trying so many things and screwing up or
1: really yeah. learning
0: the lesson over and over again that would be i think for the average person it would be debilitating where for me like the really the really big stuff i'll tell you another one um my dad calls me and he says hey there's a guy in northern california I think it was santa rosa and he said he uh, he launched a product called 1-800 dentist now for a lot of my friends out there listening, you might remember, what it, I think it actually still exists today. And he said, what if we, he said, I want you to go up there, figure out the model, understand what he's doing. Cause maybe just maybe we should do 1-800-REALTOR. And like, so this is like, you know, mid nineties, yeah. right? We're looking at you know doing basically full blown television ads to drive, what's so amazing when I think about this is we passed on this and you look at today at Zillow, truly like easy knock. All these companies that are out doing this. Well, we were talking about doing it in the '90s because a lot of our friends were in the infomercial business and we saw a gap, like consumers in the 90s have just as much hardship as they have today in finding the right real estate agent. So he says, go up there, spend the time, I meet the guy, I got friends in Santa Rosa, we have fun, dinner, yada, yada, and I spent like four hours with this guy, and he basically was very honest. Hey, this is exactly how it works, this is the selection process, this is how many people we have in the call center, blah, 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 this is what we spend on the TV commercials, this is our da, 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 AB test, the whole nine yards. I'm like, brilliant, got it. I put together a full proposal. I basically stopped being the day-to-day operations president of the company, which by the way, while I'm doing this, I'm also leading a workshop that I do 20 times a year for the company, and I'm coaching 40 people, and I'm the president of the company in charge of strategy, finance, you know, like I was doing a lot at that time, burning a lot of, you know, a lot of late night stuff. So we decided to do this. I work on it for six months. We we get down to, we film the two commercials, right? I have, I forget the name of the media buyer we were using, Ooh, it'll hit me. It'll hit me later. That'll be one of those things I'll be like, see, bugged by that again. Um, we choose the media buyer who's going to basically say, okay, let's go now take this and let's run it, not in California, New York, and because like, you never start anything like this in television in major A markets because the cost is just bananas. So we're like, let's go to Tempe, Arizona. You know, let's go to Salem, Oregon. So we're like, I'm, I'm knee deep in saying we're going to go lever up and get $30 million in, in basically money to spend on advertising with the thought that if we could spend a dollar and make a buck fifty, the arbitrage on that fifty cents at scale would be gin- ginormous and we were going to get our clients at the time all these listings and sales, mm-hmm. like, like checkmate, right? Like this is yeah. going to be rad. We're in Palm Desert, California, the Desert Springs Marriott. I am literally, I have the contracts in front of me, I have everything ready to go, and I'm like, hey, it's not my money, it's your money. This is your business. Are you in? And he was like, I don't want to do it. I had spent six months of my life building, processing, fantasizing, doing the work, getting everything, like everything was basically ready to go, and he said, I don't want to do it. Now. It doesn't matter his, I don't want to do it. People do what they do. The hard part is, how do you respond? Yeah. That one, Brenda, devastated me.
1: Because, he, sorry,
0: yeah. I knew it was the right thing to do, right? But see, now I can say, look, you know, would I want to put myself on the hook for a $30 million line of credit debt? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, can, I can actually rationalize, like, where he was at in his life. But again, it, it's not, like it's like when the person doesn't list the house with you or they choose not to buy from you, it's you, it's not them, right? It's how you respond. Like that's the game in life. Like take a hundred percent responsibility for the joy, the happiness, the success, the well-being, the health, everything. Because from that standpoint, right, it doesn't mean you're not gonna have other players and you're not gonna have a team and you're not gonna like work in this community. And by the way, you give all the credit to everybody else and you get none. Like that's how it, Mm -hmm. in my world, that's how it works. But by taking 100% responsibility, then I can learn from it. You know what I mean? But like if if he says no, what am I going to do? make him wrong for the rest of my life? What am I what am I going to do? be that person that walks around saying, oh, my God, let me tell you about this thing that we should have done it. Oh, man, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I invented the photo that now Apple uses. like you hear these people talk about that stuff all the time as if it happened to them. You with me? No, somebody else was just building their business and had a good idea and they just executed before you. That was it. And in this case, there was no execution. So how did I get over that? You know what I did? I found three more meaningful projects and I dove back in. Now, there was an emotional wound. I did have to circle back many times are you sure you don't want to yeah. do this? Like, I mean, I really think it's a good, like, what about, is there another way that we could do it from that? We created an early referral book. Now mm-hmm. I'm really dating myself cause so I still was able to get what I wanted was to get my client's business, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what I wanted. Right. And I say my clients it was his business, our clients, right? I wanted to get them business. So instead we created a referral book and I ended up interviewing all these agents and that became a whole other interesting thing that was that spun off for me, what was a failure, right? Um, Something that didn't go through, something that I wanted and planned for hardcore and it didn't happen, but I got another version of it, which is funny because one of my mentors always say, like, when you're writing your goals, you should write down, you know, I'm committed to making $100,000 a year or something better. You with me? So that or something better, like the essence of what I wanted happened Right. And it's funny that later on in life, I end up becoming friends with, you know, Trulia and Zillow and the chairman of Realtor.com is a dear friend of mine. And like they're all like they're all doing that. So like it's still like I got to play a little bit in it, you know?
1: Yeah. And okay when you said that he totally crushed your the six months of you imagining how Mm -hmm. the project was going to be, I feel like a lot of agents like once they have that. You know, those clients like, oh, they imagine once they get that listing, for once sure. they get the money. For sure. Or for people that are non real estate, like, oh, I'm going to get that job. Oh, the dream or, of just getting yeah. into business. I'm going
0: to make so much money and the man's never going to tell me what to do. Yeah.
1: And then you get that no. Yeah. And you completely get that alternative life that yeah. you yeah. imagined yeah. crushed. Yeah. It's like almost like a funeral in yeah. a way. Yeah. And you, you, Dove like right into these projects, these other three projects.
0: It's like, it's like, it's like the, uh, what is it called when you break up with somebody, the next person you date, the bounce back or Um, whatever. What is it called? Rebound, rebound. Rebound. Those are my rebound projects. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, 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 yeah. it is.
1: And, you know, obviously it was his company. Of course. You started, I feel like later on going into starting your own company. Yes. Yeah. And when was that moment when you were building it, and you said, "You know, this is what I truly want to do, and dedicate my life to this"? Obvious. When you were in that moment, what was that experience that you were like, "Oh, I'm, I, I did the right decision of being here and doing this right now"? Um, s- yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Sixteen
0: years later. Uh, you know, um, when you when you leave and start something new, right there, you know, for me, because of like, I'm a relationship first, like, I'm, I, you know, like that sounds funny. Like I'm a human being, like I dig mm-hmm. people. So, so when I, when I made the decision to leave, the unintended consequence was I was also making the decision to leave, you know, 160 people in the company that in many cases I hired or influenced or helped lead and work on projects with. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like you know, your work family goes away and I just had a larger work family than most. Um, and then all the clients, all those relationships. Could, because when I left, my whole thing was, look, you know, how, do you, how do you leave a family business that you're so grateful for? Like my siblings all still you know, worked with them and there was all this stuff going on. Like you know, we we're still gonna be together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, I mean, we owned a building together. We owned multiple business together. Like we, you know, we weren't not going to be father and son. And 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 look, you know, if my dad's listening to this, you know, I love you and I'm sure I made some mistakes and I guarantee I did some stuff that pissed you off. And, you know, you know, I love you. And my my stance in the beginning was take the high ground. Right. Don't take any clients. You know, we we turned away over 300 people that called and said, hey, Tom, I heard you started a new program. We want to go with you. Like, that's hard. Like, because we finished the year at like 280 new coaching members in this new startup coaching company, you know, back then called Success Strategies Institute, because I didn't even want to use my last name. You with me? I didn't want confusion in the marketplace. Um, But I would argue that there was probably 10 significant moments along the way that I knew it was the right thing. When we launched the company on January 22nd with our first webinar and the phone rang for the first time and like... Yes, like that day, like seven people signed up and five people we had to say, hey, sorry, you're with and we don't and that's not how we roll. We wish you well. Tom knows you, you know, the coach there. Mm -hmm. He's worked with that person. She's awesome. You know, yada, yada, like, you know, turning away business. But I knew like that day it was right. I also remember going out and and figuring out what is the value prop that we had as a company and what I, you know, my early sort of findings were in, in the real estate training business back then, you know, coaching still being very new, there was basically like the buy referral only camp, there was the marketing camp, and then there was the prospecting camp. And just like growing up as a kid, there was the punk rockers, you know, the rockabillies and the jocks, right? Like, and because I always connected with all of them, right? Like, so even when I was coaching my, my personal clients, like they, they were never myopic always by design. I was like, look, everything works. Like we've got to nurture our database and we've got to work referrals and we've got to build on trust. And look, if you're not marketing yourself, someone else is marketing to your clients and yeah, you know what, you should prospect and whether that is at an open house or cold calling or whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat and whatever's right for your marketplace. And then I wrote down this, this statement, there's no wrong way to generate a client. And when I went out and I started meeting with brokers back then that would not use my former company's services, you with me on that strategy? Like I may go to the non-market, mm-hmm. or in my case, it would become the market, versus going to companies that were already using my family, I can do that, right? So you go to these new companies and they're like, oh yeah, we need to do that." remember, they made the family business that I was so proud of and helped build with my father and my siblings and all these amazing people. They spent the first 30 minutes telling me how much they hated that business. You know what I mean? So yeah. I just sit and listen to that for 30 straight minutes before I could then say, so let me tell you what I'm committed to, right? I totally honor your position. I worked with these, these number of people and you know, people in the back then, the original like Wall Street Journal top 100 list, which is now the thousand and everything else. And I said, you know what I discovered is Brenda. each one of them figured out as I did that there's no wrong way to generate a client. What really matters is to understand your own DNA your own market, what your strengths and skills are, where you can have the most impact, and then customize a marketing strategy and a business plan that could basically help you achieve those goals. So, whether it was open houses or email marketing or direct mail or da 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 da, da like that's what I found to be my niche. And all of a sudden, people would go, Well, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Like, hey, we're really into open houses. Can you help us with that? Sure. Hey, we're really into geographic farming. Could you help us with that? Yeah. Sure. Hey, my company's very focused on new agents. Can you help us with that? And all of a sudden, like, you start getting some yeses. But the key is, I had to sit there and listen to, and not react, not get up and because I wanted to punch people in the face for talking poorly. I, I had to let them express why they didn't use that service. Yes. You know what I mean? It's 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 like. Sitting in front of a Republican as a Democrat and saying, so tell me why you're not a Democrat. You know what I mean? Like, like they're going to have their emotional, not logical, emotional stance and then some logic. I had to accept all that and then say, now, can I share my position? And I knew as I was walking out of meetings and getting like more and more yeses and more and more consulting contracts and more and more relationships that flourish that are still clients and friends today, Mm -hmm. like people that I'm texting over Thanksgiving, man, thank you so much for being one of my first clients and you know, that stuff. I, I knew then, and I think at the end of the year, when we celebrated you know, what we had accomplished, that was huge. Year five, the entire market imploded, 2007, eight, nine, right? So uh, I knew during those moments there was huge moments of success, helping people get REO accounts, being early and helping people figure out short sales. Like you know, talking to people in 2009, 8 about video, and YouTube and the power of it and how that was gonna take over the world and you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you get these little moments and I think it's an important distinction for everybody. What if you took the time to write down the wins of your business career, right? Cause it's easy. I'd have a much longer list.
1: About all the downsides.
0: Of the mistakes yeah. and the F-ups and the screw-ups and the oh my God, I wish I can erase that thought from my brain forever. But it is kind of interesting to look at you know the sort of totality of your your growth and development and learning and impact over the course of you know a couple of decades because i'm now three decades in
1: yeah learn. am i the
0: weirdest interview you've ever done because i talk way too much
1: no 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 <laughs> i i'm used to long interviews and i love these so yeah. but i think our agents our listeners can find value in this and just meeting new clients you know yeah. and letting them talk about why they didn't go with the other agents sure. who might be their friends. Yeah. And then knowing your brand voice, where you, yes. you know, excel in the services. Yep. Your and unique then, factor. Yes. Right. Then, but thank you for this interview and yeah. thank you for this episode. I think knowing more about you before becoming, you know, Tom Ferry, Yeah, you know, I think all our listeners learned a lot about, I you appreciate know, that overcoming those mistakes and just not dwelling in that past and those downsides.
0: Yeah, for sure. And listen, my friends, like we're all very blessed. So episode 50, thank you, Brenda, for helping take the podcast to the next level. Super fun. I loved, by the way, the episode you and Courtney did talking about social media and some of the things that we're doing. So big shout out to Courtney who over there has the look on her face like, please don't ever make me do that again. (sighs) And to Tristan and to Brandon and to Kelsey and to Mark and to er like everybody on the team that contributes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. And uh, listen, thank you, my friends, for just being a part of our ecosystem. You mean the world to me. I love you. Thank you. Let's go help lots of people.
1: Cool. Thank you, Tom. Awesome.
0: If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.